With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, I'm Scott Soshnick. And I'm Evan Novi williams and this is the Olympic Dreams Deferred Sports Business Podcast, The Sportacast. Oh, I don't know whether to give you an A+. Or just like a, a B, B minus for using a nice word. And <laughs> tell me, was there a reason why you chose that word that pertains to me? Because I've discussed this in the past. I know you are a big Langston Hughes fan, Scott. A and huge I Langston I would, Hughes uh, fan. I figured I would cater to the audience knowing that you are the greater here. Okay. So what happens to a dream deferred? No, raisin in the sun or does it explode? All right. Well, I guess if you're an NHL player and your dream was to go play in the Olympics right now, it exploded. It, it, you know, it didn't fester like a sore. This was a biggie, just sort of like exploded. So A plus, I don't think uh, you can get a literary reference that I really love. And I will tell folks, if you have not read the Dreams Deferred collection by Langston Hughes, I would suggest that if you have some free time over the holiday, a lot of times, you know, people have some time off right now. Um... I know like little people like Obama and Oprah have their book clubs and suggestions. But if you want the Soshnik suggestion, you know, my two that I would suggest, what what the heck, we're going off on a tangent. We'll get back to the NHL in a minute. Let's do it. But I would definitely suggest Langston Hughes' Dream Deferred Collection and also Letters Home from Vietnam. And you know, that is also one of my favorites because there's always this mindset of, you know, great writers are, or whatever, you know, the Ivy League and, 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 and intellectual, you know. No, 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 no. Go read Letters Home from Vietnam, Letters from Soldiers Home from the Battlefield, and man, but be prepared to be, you know, gut-wrenched, right? Because what I found after like two or three that I'm reading, you really wind up rooting for that particular story. Like, oh man, please tell me this person makes it. Please tell me. And then you find out at the end of the chapter what happened to that person, where they are today, or if they were killed in action. A brutal emotional roller coaster. Um, but just a reminder that great literature, great writing uh, is not synonymous with sort of higher education and degrees. Sometimes it's just simple declarative emotion. And that's what you get out of that. So what the heck are we talking about, Mr. Novi? Look Williams? at that. Look at that. Gift guide, book club, whatever Gift you want guide, to call it. Book, there you book, go. book club. <laughs> a- absolutely. But yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. The NHL. Dream deferred. Yeah. Four more years now, right? So um, as we are recording just shortly before we recorded, the NHL and the NHLPA came out and said, uh, no puedo, no can do, not going. 
Um, just too many COVID uh, hurdles to clear on this one. Yeah, I don't think you or I or really probably anybody around the NHL is too surprised by this decision when the NHL and, and NHL Players Association announced last year that or, or earlier this year that, that the Olympics could be in the table on the cards for them. They did so acknowledging that there was a three week break, two and a half week break in the NHL season that might need to be used elsewhere particularly if some games get canceled because of COVID. Um, and as we are right now, because of Omicron, Scott, more than 50 games have been uh, postponed because of COVID. And as a result, uh, this is what happens. You, you need to use that open space for NHL games, which are obviously a bigger priority to NHL owners than, than Olympic games are. But certainly some stakeholders here that I think are, are, are going to be pretty disappointed here. Certainly NHL players uh, who had the opportunity, potentially had the opportunity to, to represent their countries in Beijing. This is a huge bummer. And then also NBC, the the, the Olympics, uh, the hockey portion of the Olympics is one of the most watched parts of the winter games in normal years and losing out on the biggest names, the, the stars, the people that people know certainly is going to hurt that from a TV standpoint. I was looking forward to seeing the Chinese team play to find out simply how epically bad they were. Like there was talk of not even allowing them to participate because they were that bad. Like I, I wanted to see exactly how bad they, they were. Uh, but you're right. I mean, you're going to miss out on the sort of the Russia, Canada, Russia, USA, Sweden, Finland, or um, that that kind of little quartet of of dominant teams. You're going to miss out on those games, and those are great games. Um, but other than that, you still do have you know you you have the skiing, you have the figure skating, also highlights of the games. But if we're talking hockey and cancellations, Mr. Novi Williams, what we really should be talking about is the big youth tournament in Quebec. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, this is all about this is going to be one of these, you know, how does this affect me podcasts right here? You brought it up with Dreams Deferred. Um, but I will tell you that probably maybe even pertains to that tournament even more in the kids because folks like Gretzky have played in the Quebec Peewee tournament. It's your Peewee major year. It coincides with the Winter Festival in, in Quebec. You've got teams coming from all over the world and my son's team is scheduled to go. We're still waiting uh, if you're reading tea leaves, there sort of talked the other day about maybe delaying the tournament until May, like instead of going in February. Now, I don't know about you, but if this is really about experience in a recent chat that I had with Gretzky, he said, make sure your kid stays with a billet family. And if you're not familiar with sort of the, the lexicon of hockey, that means you stay with a, a local family, Locals. right? You just ship off your kid and you stay in the house. You may not know them, obviously, um, but you go, you go stay with a family and really suck up. Uh, the culture of the whole thing. And obviously they usually have hockey playing kids as well, but sometimes not. And because of COVID, I think we were sort of limiting the kids to the hotel and like, yes, you can go and do your play one game a day. You've got activities outside with the winter festival. I just don't know if it's the same experience. Yes. You'll be playing international clubs, but may is not exactly the cold weather of, of Quebec and the winter carnival. And boy, oh boy, you may not get another chance. You know, my son played in the Brick Tournament in, in Edmonton a few years ago. They're still the defending champions because they haven't held a tournament since. And uh, they were talking about playing two birth years this year instead of just one to give more kids the opportunity. Yeah, you, you just may not get this opportunity again because it's solely, in terms of Pee Wee Quebec, it's solely for the Pee Wee major birth year. So so you're saying yeah. that Connor, Connor McDavid can play in the Olympics in 2026 in, in Italy, but yes. the 11 year olds cannot play in Quebec anytime in the, the future. 12 year olds. Yeah. My guess is unless they decide if, if for, it gets canceled completely, unless they try and squeeze like what the brick is doing two 
birth years into one. Uh, I have no idea if that that would happen, could happen. No idea. But I will tell you that the number of NHL players who would look back and say one of their fondest memories in hockey is the Quebec tournament or Tony Piwi, as they say in, in French, um, is, is staggering. It's just one of those things that they they really hold in high regard and we'll see what happens. But dream deferred, I do not know. And, and and to bring it back to to kind of, you know, merge these two conversations, one of the challenges I think right now for the NHL is that unlike the NFL and, and really unlike the NBA, except for the Raptors, the NHL has a pretty sizable percent of its teams in Canada. And as a result, is kind of dealing with not just the way the U.S. government and the way that U.S. cities and states and their regulations are approaching Omicron and COVID, but also has to deal with uh, the way the Canadian government and different provinces are also approaching it. And I think that's one of the reasons why we're seeing, you know, as we record right now, the NHL is completely shut down until at least Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, one of the two, um, taking a very different approach than, than what we're seeing in the other leagues, which are canceling some games, but really trying to keep things on the tracks. I think one of the reasons you're seeing that is because, and and, and you're going to run into it, I think, in Quebec as well with this junior team, is that junior tournament, is that when, when you're dealing with multiple governments, multiple yeah. national federal governments, you have a much harder time at kind of balancing all the restrictions. And by the way, you're dealing with even more than that. That's the host country, obviously, is Canada. And you're in the province of Quebec, which, by the way, right away said Montreal Canadiens, you can't host fans. So on yep. the NHL level, be hard to welcome. But you've got literally it's not even just U.S.-Canada border. You've got teams coming from the Czech Republic, from Scandinavia, from Russia. So you've got kids coming from all over the world. So I'm not sure if anybody is really going to be down for that and keep it sort of in the hockey family. I'm trying to look at the data. So uh, Daryl Jones over at Hedgeye, like he's their data guy. And he was the assistant coach on that brick team, by the way, for uh, the Connecticut Junior Rangers that my, my son played on. Yeah, he's looking at the data and he's sort of checking what's happened in South Africa and how you had the big spike. And now you're starting to see numbers come down and how far are we behind South Africa? And is there room for sort of that diminution of infections and hospitalizations and, and all that? I just don't know when they have, you know, we're talking about mid-February tournament time. Do you have enough time if, if this thing rages for two weeks, three weeks, four weeks here in the U.S. and Canada, you know, put you on a real hard timeline to trying to figure out what's, what's going to happen uh, a few weeks after that. So let's expand this conversation to talk about the NFL and, and the NBA. Yes. Because um, right on that same timeline, Scott, thinking the Super Bowl uh, is supposed to be in Los Angeles, one of, as we've seen at least so far, one of the most restrictive and, and maybe most proactive states in terms of COVID restrictions, it's, it's, I think it's the exact same weekend that you're talking about, or at least the weekend before. How nervous do we think the NHL, NFL is right now? We've seen some games get moved around, pushed to Monday, pushed to Tuesday. A lot of players testing positive. They've changed some of their, their COVID protocols, I think, to, to kind of keep things on the tracks a little bit more. How nervous do we think we are if they're in NFL about a, the, the, the season-ending game being in California uh, in about six weeks? Yeah, I would say that you take your, I would have been nervous about the players if there was really health and safety concerns. From what we understand, a lot of the players who tested positive were asymptomatic and they're like, I feel fine. I can play. Every, every, everything's fine. So what the NFL is now doing, I believe, is testing symptomatic players, right? So the um, pretty much it looks like, and Adam Silver had just said the other day, hey, we're going to be living with this virus. You know, we, we just have to learn to live with it. It's not going away. Adam was the trendsetter when the NBA shut down 
on the uh, Rudy Gobert infection, like that first day, and you thought this would be all right, three months, six months, or all of a sudden we're years later, and he's saying it's going to keep going. So maybe Adam is the trendsetter again, saying, folks, yeah, we understand health and safety, but we cannot shut down. We're not thinking about shutting down because this virus is going to be around. We get the players vaccinated, uh, and, and let's see how we roll on. Um, first, you know, you take it in steps. I would say the first thing in the Super Bowl, and you and I know, yes, you want a packed house. It makes for a better experience. But the Super Bowl is a television event. It's a made-for-TV event. The sponsors are happy if you get the commercials. That's the most important thing. If one must play the Super Bowl with no fans in SoFi Stadium, not, not the ideal, not the perfect, of course, but the NFL would be okay with it. Still getting $100 million, whatever the number is going to be, fans watching at home. You know, No make goods, no anything. You complete your season, you buy yourself more time, and you have your big spectacle. Someone asked me uh, earlier this week if I thought the NFL, if it was no fans in LA or move the Super Bowl to Tampa where it was last year, for example, and have fans for the Super Bowl, I still thought the, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, if you think differently, I still thought the NFL would prefer to, to keep it in LA and, and, and maybe not have fans there as opposed to going, kind of going through, as you said, because it is a TV event, as opposed to going through kind of all of the hoops to move it somewhere else just so that you could have 60,000 corporate fans in, in, in attendance. I think we have Anthony Noto, the CEO of SoFi, ringing in right now. No, no. He <laughs> wants to make sure that SoFi, SoFi, SoFi is at a million times on TV and get all those impressions. Uh, yeah, no, I, I would say 0% chance, like zero, that there's any thought about moving it anywhere else where they would be more likely to allow fans. Uh, yeah. Again, this is about scale. This is just about scale. And as long as they play it and those commercials are aired and the sponsors get their, get their due... Um, and we're scheduled to have an event out there right now. Of course, we're monitoring the situation. And, and you were talking about timelines. For me, uh, the, first, the first day of Quebec is for at least my son's projected first game would be Super Bowl Sunday. So it's all, it's all aligning everybody. <laughs> and I wonder how much the, the, the youth uh, organizations are watching the pros. And you know, is it like there's a lot of money at stake? I mean, let, let's be real. Like if they cancel that tournament two years in a row, that's a lot of revenue loss. Like it's not easy for them to bounce back, which is why they're probably already working on the contingency plan of playing it down the road in May. But is it the same experience? Do the same teams want to go? It's the same thing on the pro end. Like, you know, what's at risk here? What are we risking? And if, uh, if they have to play the Super Bowl in an empty stadium or a reduced crowd stadium, or a reduced massed crowd stadium, whatever it may be, uh, they're still better off because, as we, as we said, this this is about the global scale. You've got to get the big game on TV. And, and one big difference here, I would think, between kind of the pro leagues we're talking about and, 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 and youth sports, particularly at a certain age, is that the vast majority of these pro athletes are vaccinated. The, the NHL, I think, is at 99%. I think Brendan Lemieux might be the only NHL player not vaccinated. The NBA is at 97. The, the N NFL is at 94. I think that the argument, and you saw it from Roger Goodell already, Steve, Steve Eiserman, the, the, the GM of the Red Wings, made the same case. If athletes who are vaccinated seem to be getting sick without symptoms, that maybe it's time to change the, the way that we're testing, particularly around uh, consistently testing people who are asymptomatic. I think there's an easy argument to make that change. I think at, at youth sports, and, and I, I actually don't know at, at the 12-year-old level what vaccination rates are like, but I think that's the big concern at youth level, right, is that we're not dealing with a, a player base that is 95 to 99% vaccinated. It's something that's way lower. No, I'm going to tell you, you know what the vaccination rate will be for players who participate in the Quebec tournament? 
100? 100. There you go. 100. Okay. You, so so the, I'm wrong the, at least the, on that one. Yeah. The, rule, the rules have gone out. No vax, no play. And there are and there are teams, by the way, and we know kids, and uh, I'm not saying right, wrong. There, there are parents that have made the decision not to get their 12-year-olds vaccinated. And, the Kyrie uh, Irvings of the youth hockey circuit. Yeah, the, uh, the, 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 the Kyrie Irvings <laughs> of the youth hockey circuit, exactly. Um, and so their kids can't go, and there are multiples on some teams, and we know the teams that have just simply said, all right, we don't have enough in our entire team. So we're just withdrawing from the competition. We don't have our team. There are, they are, it's, it's really funny to watch. You know, there are kids on those teams that are affected like that who are then scrambling to join other teams because they really still want to go and have the experience, even as it isn't with their core club. But uh, yeah, there are the ripple effects. But if you're going to go, it is one of the conditions of going to play that you must be vaccinated and submit those forms ahead of time. Of course, you'll have to show with the border crossings and all that. So 100% on the youth level, and mainly because there is no players union. And maybe we got to call D. Smith or Don Fear and then say, hey, who wants to represent the 12-year-olds? But uh, I, oh boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, we're not far off, right? When we're talking about the Probably, dollars probably not, honestly. We, 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 are not, we are not far off. Uh, but you know, that's one where you say maybe the, the youth tournament is sort of leading. Just saying it's it's not up for debate. You've got to be vaxxed if you want to come. It goes without saying, I think, that, that the next few weeks are going to be massively telling, I think, both in terms of this is a, a massive travel. Uh, tra holidays are a massive travel week or two uh, for a lot of Americans in terms of that, that's how this thing spreads really quickly. But also we're learning more literally day by day uh, about Omicron its virility, how, how much worse or how much better it is in terms of symptoms, in terms of hospitalizations, et cetera. Uh, folks don't get your medical advice from the Sportacast, but it certainly seems as though um, we're going to learn a lot in the next two weeks about how different Omicron is from previous strains of, 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 of coronavirus and, and how that is going to affect both professional leagues and uh, youth hockey tournaments moving forward. I have absolutely no graceful segue from what <laughs> you just said to discuss a limited sale, uh, a limited stake sale of the Atlanta Hawks. I, I'm, I'm, I'm racking my brain, Tony Ressler. Uh, I'm like, <laughs> I, I'm a, how can I, can we do dial home core partner? There's, I just, you know, I, that's what's going through my brain as you were wrapping up. And I'm like, I got nothing. Well, I give your transition a B minus Scott. Uh, <laughs> just, <laughs> just simply stating, I got nothing and saying, let's talk about the next thing. So I'll let you tee it up any way you want. Yeah. So you flicked at it there. Uh, another fairly large private equity investment uh, in an NBA team news that you and I broke earlier this week, uh, dial home court, uh, which is the, 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 the firm, the fund that got kind of special permission originally by the NBA to kind of start this new phase of private equity ownership. They are investing in at least their third NBA team, the Atlanta Hawks. I think the thing that jumps out here uh, to me, Scott, I assume same to you, the valuation on the team, $2 yeah. billion dollars. Uh, for the Hawks, a team that was purchased back in 2015 for $730 million. Not a bad, uh, not a bad six year appreciation there, uh, but $2 billion valuation on the Hawks for yet another private equity deal. Yeah. Now, give me what did Bodenhausen have? What did Kurt have on his valuation? It was slightly Hawks? less than that. I think it was 1.8, something right in there. All right. So, and I'm going to ask you, and I don't know if you have the answer. I don't have the answer. And there are smart people in this industry that we've spoken with who come to me and ask the question and they're asking each other. They're, the one they want to know, the, the, the one question they want answers, how is this good for investors? And I might have to put this on to Brendan uh, Coffee for, for a story. 
it's a it's a passive, right? It's a total passive investment. You can't yeah. have board seats, none of that. It is a passive investment. You have no say. You're giving them the money, giving them liquidity, liquidity, letting them put the money to work in the team. Boy, you're really counting on asset appreciation here to continue on that same trajectory. I'm like, to get a private equity like return on a two billion dollar number now, what does the team have to be worth in five, six years? Four billion? Right? I, I, do we think the Atlanta Hawks, based on whether it's media growth uh, or whatever else the key drivers are going to be, do we project the Atlanta Hawks uh, will grow to be a $4 billion enterprise? I'm not saying yes. I'm not saying no. It just seems that we don't know. But you know, this is also always called smart money. And does the smart money know something we don't? I mean, that's the value prop right there. I mean, that, that's the question, Scott. It's it's these are funds, private equity investments that are built around capturing the appreciation. And certainly, if you look back in the past five, 10, 20, 30 years, uh, the appreciation for pretty much any professional, major professional sports team in the U.S. Uh, is pretty massive. So if those trends continue, yeah, you see that. I, I think the, the the one interesting thing here is that a lot of a lot of private equity firms have very strict time horizons for investing and then getting out. Sometimes it's five years, sometimes it's 10 years. It seems as though at least a lot of the players that that we've talked to in, in the early stages here in the U.S. sports franchise investment, a lot of them are thinking more long term. I don't think necessarily we're going to see the the five year uh, in and out investment horizon that we see from C- CVC and a lot of the deals that they do. I don't think we're going to see that in the in, in the professional sports franchise world as well. I think a lot of these people are thinking about these investments as longer term. I would think that's especially true in the NBA. Given, you know, we talked about this on the show earlier this week about, you know, when, if at all, will the NBA maybe overtake the NFL as the most valuable average franchise in the U.S.? I I think for the NFL, the the time horizon, particularly because of international opportunities, seems really, really strong in the long term. And I would not be shocked if we see groups like Dial or groups like Arctos hold on to these assets for more than kind of the standard five or 10 year period. All right. Excuse my ignorance and my lack of attention to the Twitter sphere. But you did put out a poll. I'm just curious, where does it stand? Like you kind of asked uh, in the hierarchy of team average values like NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, MLS. Correct? Did I have that that right? That correct. Okay. Yeah. You were asking which would be if it changes, and whether it's five years, ten years. Like we didn't ask the timeline, but whenever there is a change in the rungs on that ladder, in that order, which league will um, leapfrog which league. Uh, I said I thought it would be MLS leapfrogging the NHL, even though I, th- I love the NHL as a digital property. Um, I just think soccer World Cup is is ready for a massive, massive growth opportunity here, especially as the demographics of the U.S. change. That, but that's not a slight on the NHL. What were most people saying? Were they agreeing with Kurt Bodenhausen, who I believe he said the NBA would overtake the NFL? So the masses are with you, Scott. Sixty percent oh, of the people who have responded wrong. <laughs> have said have said MLA. I don't know if that makes you happy or, or uh, makes you a little trepidatious. I, I need to see who they are, but right now I'm not comfortable. Sixty percent believe that when that order changes, it will be Major League Soccer passing uh, the NHL. Uh, the next closest, and it's a big jump. So that's sixty percent. The next closest is seventeen percent agreeing with Kurt that the NBA passes the NFL as the next change on that rung. And then kind of tied around 12% for both of them is 
the NHL leapfrogging Major League Baseball, which was my thought, and then uh, MLB leapfrogging the NBA, which to me is is kind of the least defendable uh, of, of the of the four options. As you look at them here, I'd be I'd be fascinated to talk to someone who thinks that at some point soon, Major League Baseball franchises could repass uh, NBA franchises as as the uh, as the second most valuable. Uh, in the U.S., but that's where things are right now. The 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 majority, sixty percent, believe that at some point the first change here is Major League Soccer passing the NHL. All right, I'm very happy to put uh, Kurt Badenhausen up atop the smartest person list right there, me way below. So I believe my pick was his second pick, which is why that's I feel kind of comfortable. Like I, <laughs> I, you know, this win place and show. I'm on the place, you know, the Badenhausen placeholder. That's fine by me. I don't. Feel I am bad. in show, but just barely. <laughs> All right. Well, you're on the, you're on the middle podium. Uh, what are you doing for the holiday, Mr. Novi Williams? Keeping it local. My my folks are down on the Jersey Shore. Uh, be heading down there for a couple of days, trying to get out to to the cabin for for New Year's. We'll see if the weather uh, holds out uh, to be able to do that. But thankful, honestly, that there's not a lot of of, of airplane travel or any airplane travel in my future. How about you guys? Yeah, I'm glad we're not happing on any planes either. Sticking local, wife planned some stuff in the city, you know, so we'll 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 go around. I, I think there's some skating in Central Park like we used to do when we lived there. Um, maybe a nice dinner. So hopefully we get a table in the corner away from the sneezing masses. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I will ask for that. We'll see. We'll see. Anyway, have a good one, my friend. You uh, too, man. You know, to you, always some fun. And I'll, I'll see you on the flip side of this. Or are we doing next week? What? I don't even we're know. Doing we're doing next gonna, week. Yeah, yeah we're going to do next week. We're not we slowing down. We will have down, a show but. on Tuesday and a show on Thursday next week for sure. Getting ready for the college football playoff uh, at the end of next week. Oh, good. I'll worry about that 10 minutes beforehand. Just make sure you let me know what we are talking about. He <laughs> is Evan Novi Williams on the Twitter, Novi underscore Williams. I am Scott Soshnick on Twitter at Soshnick. Our social media editor is Cora Veltman. She loves it when I remind you that the show can be found at Sportacast, which is the hub of what will very soon become announcement coming soon, mm-hmm. the Sportico Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.